Word Radio On Demand, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD. Streaming live at wordradio.com. We have our sports guy, Michael Tillery, here. He's written for Anscape and Sports Skeeta and so many other publications. And that's why he's with us, because he knows what he's talking about. Michael, good morning. How are you today? Good morning, Tanya. Hope everybody's having a great Monday. You know, Michael, usually uh, on Monday morning, we're talking about what happened with the Eagles. But tonight we're going to or this morning, we're going to talk about what's going to happen with the Eagles tonight because they were flexed to Monday night football in what seemed uh, to be an unprecedented move. And then it seems like the NFL kind of regretted it. But now uh, it is Eagles Seahawks tonight at 8.15 p.m. And all this drama swirling around uh, the game. First of all, what's up with Jalen Hurts? Is he playing? Is he not? Is he sick? Is What's going on with this man? Yeah. I think if he, if he travels with the team, he's going to play. You know, they just try to be, you know, preemptive and not get anybody else on the team sick. I, we don't have an explanation of what actually is going on with him. It's, out, it's, it's not COVID or he would not be playing. So it's probably the flu or something similar, stomach bug, you know, whatever is going around right now because it seems to be something going around in the NFL in terms of stomach bug. But, you know, uh, this happened on a Friday. You know, this usually that's a short news day. You know, for this to happen on a Friday, if it would have happened that the game wasn't flex, I don't know if Jalen Hurts would play. Mm. Well, I guess we will find out because it appears that he did fly to Seattle, but separately from the team so that he didn't get uh, the other players sick, which means that it must be something that's communicable. So uh, I don't know. Then I heard a rumor that it was Micah Parsons that got him sick because I guess Micah Parsons was sick at some point. I don't know. But in any case, uh, what's the deal on Geno Smith? Is he going to be playing uh, tonight for the Seahawks? I don't don't think Geno Smith is going to play. He's going to have Drew Locke in there. You know, so this might be another game in the NFL this season, a battle back potentially. You know, I, I wanted to play Seattle with Geno Smith so they can get, you know, a sight of how he commands the field in terms of his making his possess pro- progressions. You know, he's a really good quarterback and has been a piece for the Seattle Seahawks the last few years since he signed there. You know, it's, it's very unfortunate because, you know, Geno is probably playing for a contract next year somewhere else. You don't think that Geno's going to remain with the Seahawks? Do they have a high draft pick? Yeah, I think that they're going to draft a quarterback. You know, that just seems to be the trend in the NFL right now. If you have that spot, you got to draft a quarterback. And if you have a veteran on the squad, he's basically like a bridge until that, that young quarterback develops. Mm, well, that's sad news for Geno Smith because he's gone yeah. through so much, obviously, uh, over the years with uh, not starting for a number of years, probably a decade, and then getting that shot uh, after Russell Wilson left to go to the Broncos. Now, uh, the other big news on the Eagles is that Matt Patricia – will now be replacing Sean Desai uh, as the defensive play caller. What do you think about that, Michael? Because I think a lot of folks were surprised at the move. You know, sometimes, you know, we've given Howie Roseman a lot of credit over the years. You know, he's made some spectacular moves in the drafts and free agency to make his team one of the elite in the NFL. I, in my opinion, feel like this is a bad move because it's happening at at a stage in the season where you have to be in sync with your coordinators. You know, the the, the Mike linebacker and also the quarterback are an extension of those two coaches, 
offensive defensive coordinators. So I don't know how this is going to work out. The Eagles have, they did the last NFL in rushing, you know, did the last in NFL in third down, you know, trying to get off the field. They cannot do so. Even though they have these big dudes in the middle of the line, people are running over them. Mm. I partly feel like if, if Jalen Hurts in the offense ran the ball and gave DeAndre Swift the ball 15 to 18 times a game, they would be able to sustain drives and keep the defense fresh. I think that's the big problem here right now. The Eagles are, are not getting on the field and, and, and having long drives, 80-yard drives, 75-yard drives, so the defense can rest. You know, and now that, you know, Sean Desai has been demoted – you know, he hasn't been fired. He's been demoted. So that, that's good for him. That's why it makes it seem like it's like a almost like a fan appeasement because the, the region is upset and what's going on with these coordinators. Now, people have to understand that you have to have patience. You just hired two new offensive and defensive coordinators. You know, so you're going to have your ups and downs during the year. The fact that the Eagles are 10 and 3 and still leading the conference and, and still have the best record in the league, they're tied for it means that this seems like a panic move to me. I uh-huh. hope that I'm wrong. I really hope that I'm wrong. But it, it, obviously, and we talked about it last week, something might be going down in a locker room, and, and this is the basically the fallout from what's going on. And try to right this ship and tell everybody, look, get your stuff together, or you will be going to. Well, there is good news because the Eagles are 10 and 3. In fact, they made the playoffs yesterday. And with the Cowboys loss, I think that means that we still have a chance to get that first round by, if I'm understanding it all correctly. Um, So Mm -hmm. there is good news. I mean, you've never seen this much angst probably for a team that is 10 and 3 and is now officially in the playoffs. But I mean, I think you got to wonder how deep can the run go through the playoffs if there seems to be this kind of internal strife and struggling and now. We don't know what's going on with Jalen. And, you know, and the other thing, Matt Sealski in the Inquirer today, he said the task of straightening out this defense now falls to the man who couldn't stop Nick Foles in the Super Bowl, who flamed out as a head coach after three seasons with the Lions and who in the best years of his career had the benefit of working under Bill Belichick. And then he also said, has a 10 and three team ever felt as unsteady as this one right now? What do you say about that, Michael? I mean, I I totally agree, but again, this feels like almost external, internal, unnecessary stuff going on. That this team is still ten and three. Like, I, I guess because the, the Eagles went to the Super Bowl last year, that the expectations are going to be through the roof. And you know, in, in this reason, you know, the Eagles are our favorite team in the city. You know, so. We, we live and die with them every week. You know, when teams lose, they, 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 they pan to the stands and they see the upset fans because their team just lost. And, and during the week, they might be all depressed and disappointed that the team lost until the next week. Especially coming off a loss to Dallas, you know, your, your chief rival. You know, the fans are going to be on edge. You know, they're battling Dallas Cowboys fans here in the region who are, you know, laughing at the Eagles as well. They can't laugh no more because they lost last night. <laughs> you know, but it, 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 I hope that this all comes together. If it does come together and the Eagles do triumph in the Super Bowl, you know, this is just going to be part of the narrative, the story that, that goes along with winners. Well, let me float this to you right now, Michael, because honestly, there have been so many weird ups and downs this year in the NFL. I mean, the the Falcons just lost to the Panthers, of all people, yeah. a nine to seven 
We had a score last week that was three to nothing. I mean, it's it, yeah. and then it's teams that seem to be dominant. Then there just seems to be these scrappy teams. Like you can look at uh, 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 Cleveland, who lost two quarters, yeah. you know, going through two or three quarterbacks at this point. But if you had to look at the AFC and the NFC right now and say the two dominant teams, I want to see if you agree with what I I think are the two most dominant teams, uh, in one in the NFC and one in the AFC. Who would those be in your estimation? Well, right now you, you would have to say that the San Francisco 49ers are the top team in, in the conference. They're they're playing well. You know, uh, Chris McCaffrey just had three touchdowns last night. They're looking at him as MVP candidate. You know, also with Debo Samuel's and the steadiness of Brock Purdy and the third down efficiency rate of Brandon Ayuk, who's one of the most incredible third-down receivers I've ever seen. You know, so you have to put San Francisco there. In in, in the AFC, I, I would say Baltimore, you know, especially after last night and looking at what Jamar, Lamar Jackson did, they cannot keep him on the ground. His statistics weren't incredible. He had 100, like 171 yards passing yet, but he did have another 97 on the ground. To me right now, Lamar Jackson, because of his influence on the team, I think he's the NFL MVP. Yeah, I would have to agree because that move that what he did last night when he slithered out of those tackles and then threw the ball into the downfield, I said, you know what, this guy, does he oil himself up before a game to, to be able to slither out of these tackles or is he just right. superhuman? I don't know what's yeah. going on, but he certainly did better than most of the rest of the black quarterbacks as we do our weekly black quarterback checkup. Dak Prescott, Justin Fields, Kyle Murray, Russell Wilson, and Jordan Love, all losers yesterday. And ironically, Bryce Young was a winner for only, what, the third time, I think, this year? Second time. Second time. Right. So yeah. it was an interesting day uh, in black quarterbacks. And now we are looking at a Monday night football game where we don't know whether either one of them that is scheduled to start is going to play. Uh, so, you know, the thing is with the Eagles, are they going to be able to go deep into the playoffs? Because you've got all these scrappy teams that are kind of on the bubble that might just come out and have one good day. In, in this season, this season in particular, the Eagles need home field advantage just as much as the Baltimore Ravens do. That means every team has to come here and they get that first round by. You play two games, you're in the Super Bowl. You know, so the Eagles have to do that. You can get rest, rest up all your injuries, you know, and you can get that home field advantage. I think the Eagles have the best home field advantage in the NFL, you know, and especially after what's going on with the drama around this team this year. If the Eagles are in the playoffs, that crowd is going to be ridiculous. So the Eagles need to acquire that home field advantage. So tonight is a very important game. That's the reason why it's probably flexed because it's, it's a battle for the division, especially for the Dallas Cowboys to be right on the Eagles' heels. Now the Eagles do control their destiny. So if they win out, they win the division. You know, if they do get tied with San Francisco, they do not win the NFC top seed that will go to San Francisco. So that's the only team that's outside of controlling their destiny. Got it. Well, one person will we know that we will not see until the playoffs. That is Dom DeSandro. He has been barred uh, from the sidelines until the playoffs after his altercation with uh, 49ers player Dre Greenlaw. And so Dom, who is the Eagles head of security, he is out 
until the playoff. <laughs> so apparently he can still travel with the team. He just cannot be on the sidelines. Let's head to the Sixers because they seem to be just dominant. They beat the Hornets over the weekend by 53 points and Embiid had 42. Yeah. They said this was the largest win margin since 1970 and they play the Bulls tonight. Uh, how are the Sixers doing and should we be looking to them uh, for our Philadelphia sports fix at this point? I mean, they're they're beating teams by average in the last five games by 27 points. You know, they are 13 and one with Kelly Oubre in the game mm. on the bench. You know, he is the spark plug for this team. Joe B is doing things that hasn't happened many times historically with him scoring 30 game and pulling 10 rebounds in the last 10 games. You know, that's just something that the only company is Shaq, Wilt. You know, and another player, a couple other players, that's it, you know, along the history of the NFL, uh, NBA. So he is doing some spectacular things. Obviously, Maxi is like his little sidekick, you know, Batman to, to, to his Robin. Um, and you're, you're seeing a team that is looks like a weight is off of their shoulders. Del Maxi, you know, just uh, was was re-upped on his contract as well, you know, as a president of the team, you know, so they're getting things out of the way so they can just go out there and play basketball. You know, they're top five in both offense and defense in the NBA. They're the only team to do that. And their defensive rating is just off what the Boston Celtics are doing, you know, so it, it's an incredible team this year. You know, it's, it's a very surprising team. You know, the addition of Kelly Oubre was a great move for all of, uh, you know, Dal Morey being a much maligned with his, you know, personnel decisions, you know, to pick up Kelly Oubre was a gigantic, gigantic pull. Yeah, I, I counted that Kelly, I believe, has played for five different teams, but it seems like he's just putting yeah. the, he's putting the spark into the Sixers that they needed. Uh, despite the fact that Joel Embiid has been a superstar and the league MVP, it just seems like once the playoffs come, they just kind of fall apart. But Kelly seems to have brought some different energy uh, and a different yeah. feeling to the Sixers this year. So I know it's early, but uh, how is it looking? I mean, Patrick Beverly as well. You know, Patrick Beverly has come out and said that, you know, he wished that he would have been a, had been a Sixer his whole career. You know, being from, the, you know, the Chicago, you know, the west side of Chicago and, and how they play defense out there, he's brought that, you know, ability to the NBA. And he is – he'll always have a job because of his passion and how he fits in with his teammates, you know. So having, you know, these, these little – uh, you know, guys like Oubre and 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 Beverly to kind of galvanize the team. You know, outside of the drama that it had last year and even the beginning of this year, there was something outstanding for the Sixers to be in a position that they are. The one thing that they have done over the over the years, though, they they remain steadfast in the standings. So even though you might think that the Sixers are, you know, one of the you know second tier teams, they're always right there at top. You know, as long as you're right there at top, you'll get that again home field advantage in a playoff so you can do something with it. This is going to be a very critical year for the Philadelphia 76ers in terms of their playoffs. If this does not end up a successful year, I expect drastic changes to happen. Mm. Well, we also want to recognize uh, a member of the NBA community who passed away, George McGinnis, who played for the Indiana Pacers in the 70s and 80s, led them to ABA championships. He passed away last week. He was 73 years old. So we want to say rest in peace to him. And also Kareem Abdul-Jabbar 
is recovering from surgery after he broke his hip, not trying to get out there in a pickup game or anything like that, but uh, he fell while attending a concert. So Kareem, I don't know what concert it was, but uh, you know, we're, we hope that uh, Kareem is on the mend. He's 76 years old and uh, still going to concerts. So we love that. And uh, also we got to say goodbye to Bryant Gumbel's Real Sports that ended its 29-year run on HBO. I guess it's Max now. Uh, do you have any memories of real sports? And is anybody going to replace it? It was a great documentary show uh, for sports. You know, uh, Brian Gumble is, you know, I, I call people like him soul models, you know, who like me or up and coming and trying to fixate myself to journalism looks to those type of individuals to try to get to where I am trying to go professionally. Right. So, you know, him, he was a big influence on me as a kid, you know, seeing a black face on TV, journalized stuff was, was something that was, was a rarity for us to see back then. You know, him and combined with his brother, Greg Gumble, you know, on CBS, you know, was made us proud. You know, the fact that Brian Gumble, as brash as he was, was allowed to continue his narrative in terms of how he approaches you know, sports journalism was also spectacular for me as well as a youngster. You know, so when we see the, you know, these generational you know, shows go off, you know, it, it, there is a, a little bit of sadness. Yeah, I don't know if, uh, you know, of course, LeBron James has his platform, uh, the barbershop that he does with uh, Maverick Carter, uh, and they've done well. They've had a lot of interesting guests on. It's been good conversations. But the thing that Bryant Gumbel did really well with Real Sports is he told stories that you weren't reading about every day. And he he really exposed a lot of different things that were going on. Uh, in the sports world. And so we, you just wonder if there's going to be some show that is going to come out and uh, really replace that. Not that Brian Gumbel can ever be replaced because he was also an incisive journalist, as you referenced. Yeah. And now with all this money flying around in sports, you know, I don't know if people can be quite as critical or expose as many things as, that, as they did before. And that's one of the things that we will truly miss when it comes to real sports. You know, I mean, who else is out there now? There's so many voices in sports now, but who is really out there that is still incisive? Like I enjoy uh, the entertainment of Undisputed and I enjoy Stephen A. Smith sometimes. And I certainly enjoy some of the other analysts and sports personalities. But now it feels like it's much more about the personality now than the news being broken or stories being told. And that that is something that has gone by. So, you know, people like us will always be able to, you know, articulate, you know, the the current and history of sports because we're we have that window. Everything now, again, as I said earlier to you, is about the 24 hour news cycle. So it's all about the clicks and what's popular in a moment, unfortunately. So you're not going to have, you know, those large type of thought processes when it comes to, you know, breaking down a sports moment. Right. Well, end of an era. And Michael Tillery, unfortunately, this is the end of our segment, but it's always great to see you. And I guess uh, we'll see you back in the new year because we are uh, we have holidays coming up. But I want to thank you for everything you've contributed to Reality Check in 2023. And we will see you in 2024. And go Eagles. Bye, Eagles fly. time. You've been listening to Word Radio On Demand. Listen live at 96.1 FM, 900 AM, and online at wordradio.com. 